Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. It is me, Ellie Krug, with Ellie 2.0 Radio and lovely AM 950. Happy Monday to you. First October of Monday. Happy, happy, happy. I am thrilled to be here, to be back with you. It has been a whirlwind vacation for me. I, well, whirlwind weekend for me. I had my best friend in the world 50 years um, come visit me. Um, And that was the wonderful part. The unwonderful part is, yeah, we're going to have to do a little bit of winging for this show because I have not been able to do my standard you know, many hours of preparation, but we'll get past there. All right. Welcome to LA 2.0 Radio, where we talk about idealism and idealists. And we have a great show. Um, the big interview is going to be an encore presentation of Emily Hunt Turner, the visionary for All Square. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, um, a cheese sandwich, grilled cheese sandwich restaurant on Minnehaha in Minneapolis uh, that gives... Uh, um, incarcerated people, formerly incarcerated people, a second chance. So you'll like that interview. That that was an interview I originally did about two years ago. And in my C block, I'm going to talk about an experience I had over the weekend moderating a panel of children's authors. <laughs> yes, I actually did that. So we'll talk about that. Okay, but let's begin with our featured idealist. Um, it's a name that uh, loomed large in America. Um about a year ago, and still continues to surface back up. I'm speaking of Alexander Vindman, the star, quotation marks around that, of the impeachment proceedings for our president that took place last fall. Um, That is the president, we should note, who um, currently is uh, recuperating from the coronavirus, uh, and who knows uh, whether he's at Walter Reed at the moment or at the White House, but... We don't need to even go down that rabbit hole. Okay, I want to highlight uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vidman now because he is a shining example of idealism and speaking truth to power, something that is in desperately short supply in America, speaking truth to power. The background on Alexander Vindman um, uh, is uh, some of which you will already know. It begins with this. Alexander Vindman was born in Kiev, Ukraine in June of 1975 when Ukraine was still part of the Soviet Union. He is a twin. His brother's name is Yevgeny, Yevgeny, sorry, Um, and they have an older brother as well named Leonid. When Alexander and Yevgeny were three years old, their mother died. It's a very sad story. And at that point, their father, Simon, made the difficult decision to emigrate to the U.S., And he either brought along their grandmother, that would be Simon's mother, or uh, the grandmother was already in the U.S. But the family, um, Simon and his three boys, settled uh, in Brooklyn's Brighton Beach neighborhood, where Alexander and his brother attended uh, public schools. Of note, um, Alexander and Yevgeny and their grandmother appear in Ken Burns' 1985 Statue of Liberty, Statue of Liberty documentary. In the 14-second clip that's part of that 1985 documentary, the boys are pictured sitting with their grandmother in between them. One boy is on one side, one boy is on the other. One boy speaks English, the other is still speaking in Russian, and they share about their mother dying. Um, And then they, the, the boys, first going to Italy and then to the U.S. It's a touching clip, but truly offers an example of what America is all about about going from less than nothing, 
going from loss, where you have suf- such great loss, to um, then succeeding at a level that neither of those boys could imagine as 10-year-olds because um, both uh, Alexander Vindman and his brother Yevgeny, um, both of them entered the military as well as the older brother, uh, Leonid. They all became, all became uh, career military officers. Um, and they elevated, I mean, you, you know, they come with barely anything to the U.S. and then they, and they get to the highest level, almost the highest levels of power in the United States. And we'll get to that in a second. To carry the story forward, Alexander Vindman went on to uh, graduate from New York State University system. He went, he went to Binghamton. Um, and, and while he was in college, he enro- enrolled in the Army ROTC. After that, of course, he had to serve his, uh, you know, serve his uh, duty with the, the Army. And then, in turn, he made the Army a career. Perhaps he had planned on that. Um, first, he was stationed in Korea. And then Alexander Vindman served a year in Iraq from September of 2004 to September of 2005. And you may remember my longer, um, older humans uh, listening here that uh, 2004-2005 is when the insurgency was beginning. It was when it was beginning. And that's the point where our soldiers started encountering a lot of IEDs. And Alexander Vindman was one of those soldiers who encountered an IED, a roadside bomb, and he was wounded um, in that encounter. After that, in 2008, Alexander Vindman's career took a shift to the diplomatic international relations front. He became a foreign area officer specializing in Eurasia and was posted to U.S. embassies in Kiev, Ukraine, and Moscow. Now think about that. You, you, this young boy who, uh, who had been born in Kiev um, loses mother, um, has to immigrate to a totally new country with a totally different language. He excels um, in America. I have not added to you that he went on to go to Harvard University where he got a degree in international relations. He masters in that. So, I mean, he did excel. And then he gets the opportunity in his professional career capacity to go back to his home country. Um, so he was posted in the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, Ukraine, and then later on at the U.S. Embassy in Moscow. I mean, wow. And frankly, only in America. He then returned to the U.S. and was posted to the Pentagon, where he was a foreign affairs officer for the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. By then, he was a lieutenant colonel. And in July of 2018, so this is, you know, uh, more than a year and a half after President Trump uh, ascended to the presidency, in July of 2018, Alexander Vindman was assigned to the National Security Council. And in that role, he was... Um, he was the one who uh, counseled on Eurasia, um, and in that role, um, as part as being assigned to National Security Council, he went to Kiev for the inauguration of Ukraine's President Valdemar uh, Zelensky. I am always murdering first names, but you know the name Zelensky. So again, think of that. Your Ukrainian boy returns to holding a critical position in the U.S. intelligence world, protecting the interests of his adopted country to see a president um, duly elected democratically in the Ukraine to be installed. Now, that is 
uh, the start of the real story about Alexander Finman, where we get past his background and we move to the idealist. That's because when he was in the Ukraine, he was involved in a conversation where he listened to the U.S. Special Representative for um, uh, uh, European Union. So it's actually the United States Ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sundland. That's a name you also remember from last year. Gordon Sundland, while this... Um, uh, delegation was in the Ukraine for the inauguration of President Zelensky. Gordon Sundland then intimated to Zelensky's uh, key aides that Zelensky uh, needed to open an investigation into uh, then presidential candidate Joe Biden, actually happens to still be the presidential candidate. Um, they needed to open an investigation into Biden in order for Zelensky to be invited to the White House. So Vindman hears that. Okay, And Vindman knows that that's incorrect. And at the same time, John Bolton was present for that conversation. And Bolton told uh, um, Gordon Sundland that his conversation was improper. And you may recall Bol Bolton spoken about that, and he, he cut Sundland off. So, all right, then we go back to the summer then of uh, 2019. And during the summer of 2019, Vindman is on a call. Okay, on uh, um, uh, July 25th call uh, between President Trump and Zelensky. So, you know, the president's call is monitored by a number of people. That's a little day. I don't know if he's, whether he's allowing that. Okay, and during that call, this is what Vindman testified to. Vindman was testified to this. Quote, I was concerned by the call. I did not think it was proper to demand that a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen. And I was worried about the implications for the U.S. government's support of Ukraine. I realized that if Ukraine pursued an investigation of the Bidens and Burisma, it would likely be interpreted as a partisan play, which would undoubtedly result in Ukraine losing the bipartisan support it had thus far maintained, unquote, in, in Congress. After that, Vindman does what he was trained to do, and he reports that he had heard this occur with the president doing the quid pro quo. He goes through the chain of command to the military. Ultimately, that's what led to us hearing uh, about Vindman's name and him testifying before Congress uh, relative to the impeachment proceedings last year. We also know that as a consequence of Vindman's testimony, um, he essentially was fired. Uh, he lost his position with the National Security Council. In fact, he and his brother, who was his brother, um, Nevgeny, <laughs> had also been posted to the White House. Both of them were escorted, literally escorted, off the White House grounds. Alexander had planned to stay in the military. Um, however, President Trump started tweeting about him. And he made uh, Alexander Vindman's life very difficult. In fact, Vindman, who was married, had to ask for special protection from the army uh, because he was concerned about threats to his life, the life of his wife. Um, ultimately, Vindman retired. And then recently, we have been seeing him on MSNBC. He's in uh, civilian garb and not on the military dress. Here's the bottom line about Alexander Vindman. He is somebody who is an idealist, okay? He was trained to speak up when he saw wrong, but he had a lot of guts. 
because you can be certain there are a lot of people that did not speak up. And even to today, who see things wrong with this administration, who stay silent, who do not blow the whistle, who do not speak up. But Vindman did. And that's because he believes in America. That's because he wants the promise of America to be held um, firmly for all people. So there you go. Um, Alexander Vindman, our featured idealist for today. Read up on him. All you have to do is go to Wikipedia and just Google his name. He's well worth understanding because that is the way idealists work. Thanks a lot. We'll be back. Um, you're going to get the Encore interview, and then I'll be back with you with the C Block. Thanks. Hello, this is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. Many listeners know that I train on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming to diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on equity and dismantling racism. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change how they see the world. And now I'm doing all of my work online so everyone can attend regardless of where you're located. For more information, go to elliekrug.com. Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you. Better Futures Minnesota's Reuse Warehouse has big news. We have a brand new online store. Check out reusebfm.com. This is a great way to see what we carry in the Reuse Warehouse. Appliances, building materials, kitchen and bath fixtures, lighting, flooring, lumber, heating and cooling items. Don't miss the beautiful benches and COVID safety shields that are hand-built using reclaimed wood from our deconstruction projects. Check out ReuseBFM.com. That's ReuseBFM, as in Better Futures Minnesota, dot com. How long till my soul gets it right? Can any human being ever reach that kind of light? I call on the resting soul of Galileo back on AM 950 on LE 2.0 Radio. It's now time for the big interview. And I have with me in the audience, in the uh, studio, Emily Hunt Turner, um, who is um, the epitome of an idealist. Emily, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. Thank How are you. you? Thank you so much. I'm great now that I'm here. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yes. Thank you for driving out to Siberia to come Absolutely. and talk to us. Absolutely. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so, so Emily, um, I'm having you. I'm having you on the show because as soon as I heard about you and I heard about your work, I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, that's an idealist. That's a real idealist doing the work." So, um, what I have about you, um, in very short order, to introduce you to the audience, is that you are a lawyer, right? Guilty. Yes, you are also a. Um, uh, a writer, you're in the middle, or you're very close to finishing a book, which I want to talk to you about in a sure. second. And then more than that, um, and really what gets you here is that you are the founder of a nonprofit called Foursquare. And that is about um, helping people who have an incarceration past make mm -hmm. a clean slate mm -hmm. and go forward. Do I have that right? You do. It's it, it's all square, but we get four square ah, a lot because okay. technically our sandwiches will be cut into four square. All right. So, so all square. Yes. yes. Perfect. Sorry. There we go. That's all right. It's all good. Okay. And so will you tell me about all square and, yeah. uh, 
And and then we want to get as as my listeners know, we're going to get into you and sure. what makes you tick. But tell sure. us about All Square. Yeah, briefly. So All Square is a is uh, as you mentioned, we are a, a nonprofit um, or actually civil rights social enterprise, and and we're centered on a, a craft grilled cheese restaurant and companion professional institute. Uh, so our our aim is to really, you know, surely I think our aim is to really invest in critically invest in. Uh, and empower formerly incarcerated people. Okay, well, that's that's a lot. A very quick summary. Uh, um, how did you come up with this idea? You know, Allscore, I think, was is and was a, a response. Uh, I think I found myself talking, you know, the issue of having a criminal record and not being able, once you have that record, not being able to frankly, to breathe, to exist, to access housing, to access employment, to get a line of credit at a local bank. Um, you know, I think of all the issues that really ignited me, this one ignited me the most, I guess, in, you know, in my, in my legal career. And, and Allsquare was really a response to this and, and hopefully a really captivating solution as well. You know, I think talking about issues and responding to them are one thing, but for me, I really wanted to team with a group of people and become part of a, a solution. But it, this is your idea, right? I mean, it is. Okay. Yeah. And did you have some experience working with people who are incarcerated mm-hmm. or interacted yeah. with the criminal justice I should, system? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think um, I went to law school down in New Orleans and I, uh, you know, did some pro bono work down there and I, I practiced with the Department of Housing um, but the pro bono work and through somebody that I was dating down in New Orleans, I got very involved in solitary confinement, um, got to know Herman Wallace, who was in solitary confinement for 40 years, and learned a lot about the sort of dire setbacks of the criminal justice system, and also met someone while going to law school who is now on our board, um, who had been incarcerated, I believe, 13 years, uh, and actually got a JD from Tulane, and really now is my brother. Uh, he's a groomsman in my wedding, is a board member of All Square, and, and really has for me been, you know, I have a handful of formerly incarcerated mentors who have fundamentally redefined um, what it means to be formerly incarcerated for me and who have, I think at the end of the day, been been the drive behind why I wanted to do this. Well, and and but you're relatively young. You're not um, I'm going to guess. I feel it, but. <laughs> well, I'm going to guess. I mean, you're in your 30s. I am in my 30s, yes. Okay, yep, so, halfway through. All right. And, yep. and, but, um, but you're not somebody who's already established a career, built up some kind of cash surplus, you know, and been able to go and do some other things. And I think that that's what, you know, that's, I think, very interesting and pretty darn brave. I appreciate that. You know, I, that is true. Um, I think. Two things, uh, you know, seeing this issue in and out every day affect the people that I love uh, presents a set of urgency for sure. And I think beyond that, you know, I'm 35, but I've um, I lost a girlfriend of six years to suicide. I lost my dearest friend to a brain tumor. Both my parents have died this past year. Oh, my God. You know, I think it's the sort of thing where I'm young, but I've I think my soul has lived a lot of years. And I also, frankly, in my mind, I know what's important and what's not. And so. Uh, you know, we get this really quick clip of life. And uh, <laughs> if anything, I felt like maybe I waited too long. So, yeah. Well, I'm, so, I'm sorry about the loss of Thank your you. parents Thank and you. all of the a, other losses in your life. It's been a hell of a year. Thank you very much. 
Okay. Um, and did I hear that you you have recently gotten married or you're getting, getting married? Getting married. Actually, All Square officially opened September 8th, and I'm getting married August 18th. So that was, um, <laughs> it wasn't planned to be that co- close in proximity, but sometimes you just got to roll with, uh, okay. with life. Well, congratulations <laughs> on the you. wedding. Thank and, you. And I'm excited. <laughs> very much excited. And all of that stuff. Thank you. Way to go. Yeah. Thank well, you. all right. So, um, so uh, as far as All Square goes, it's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that you've. Well, give us. Uh, it's got a building, right? It does. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell us about that. Sure. So we are located at forty forty seven Minnehaha Avenue in South Minneapolis, uh, down down the street from the Minnehaha Falls, and uh, we we couldn't be more excited about the location. It's a one story brick building. Uh, the storefront is. I think perfect for us. the The neighborhood has actually been instrumental in getting the the capital to get this thing off the ground. Um, honestly, we haven't experienced hardly any pushback, uh, which has been incredibly encouraging. And I think more than anything, it's you know we're located on a very intimate uh, commercial corridor that's residentially yeah. situated, and uh, you know it just feels very sort of ripe for some grilled cheese. Okay, it really does. How did you center <laughs> on grilled cheese? I. It's, it is, uh, and this isn't lip service, it's re- it truly is something I get excited about every time I have one. It's kind of like pizza for me. Um, I like to sort of pitch that I'm really explorative with food and I like all these exotic things, but at the end of the day, I really am, I am sort of a grilled cheese kind of person. And um, I've, I had always sort of dreamed of, oh, what if there's a, one day I had a, open just a grilled cheese restaurant and oddly that kind of got married with the idea of wanting to be part of a solution as it relates to um, formerly incarcerated people being excluded from, you know, um, forward momentum. But at the end of the day, I'm just a big fan of grilled cheese. And, you know, also when it came to applying this to All Square, uh, you know, we are a social enterprise. Over time, we do intend to scale. And there's something very simple and refined about grilled cheese. It's, you know, we have nine different varieties and, um, you know, I think the last thing I'll say about the grilled cheese is is there's something very accessible about it as well. You know, I think I know I know someone from every single sort of um, eth- ethnic background, racial background, uh, income echelon who has just loved some grilled cheese. And I, I love I like that about it. it well, it you sounds, know. you know, v- very egalitarian. <laughs> yeah, ex- uh, exactly. Plus it's relative, yes. relatively easy to make. Absolutely. So when we come back, um, Emily, we'll talk more about um, for uh, All Square, excuse me, and we'll talk about you, okay? All right. So listeners, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, uh, interviewing Emily Hunt-Turner about her nonprofit, All Square. Uh, if you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com or email me at lejkrug at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back in a second. Hi, Alex of Better Futures, Minnesota. Does your business or organization need janitorial services, lawn care, or snow services? Obtain a free, no-obligation estimate from Better Futures, Minnesota when you mention that you heard about us on AM950. Our supervised, hardworking, and affordable crews will handle your interior and exterior building and property maintenance needs while you help men in your community transform their lives and walk on a positive path to success. It's a win-win. To learn more, 
Go to betterfuturesminnesota.com under business services. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. And we are back on LD2.0 Radio. Oh, my goodness. And we're sitting here speaking with Emily Hunt-Turner, and I'm being so incredibly inspired. Um, So, Emily, uh, All Square will employ, once it's launched, and you said it's going to launch when now? Uh, September 8th is our grand opening. Okay, September 8th. I know you've done a soft opening, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, on September 8th, when it's launched, it's going to employ formerly incarcerated humans, mm-hmm. right? Yep. How many people are you going to employ? Yep. So we have, uh, we'll have 12 fellows and, and I say fellow because uh, we have a 12 month program and they, you know, the restaurant is, is certainly in our mind, a captivating way to put money in people's pockets. Uh, but in tandem with the restaurant, they'll be traveling through a 12 month program with the Institute and the Institute is focused on um, law and entrepreneurship. And that is based on, you know, we have uh, uh Four formerly incarcerated board members. Uh, one's a lawyer, one's a paralegal, um, and two are entrepreneurs. And and they feel very strongly that these are two tracks that that actually are very sort of natural progressions. Um, one's coming from the inside okay. and being on the outside. So, yeah, I think for us the that's the program, and it's twelve months long. And I think we wanted to make sure that it was a lot more than just a paid position at a restaurant. We really want to invest in people and 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 foster you know vibrant careers. And is there a template that you're using, or are you just creating this as you go along? We have a, somewhat of a proof of concept called Edwin's out in Cleveland. Uh, it's a fine dining restaurant and institute. Um, it's purely based on culinary arts. We've certainly adopted a similar model, but tweaked it. Um, grilled cheese is, is a lot more is I think for us a lot more manageable as far as the fast casual model. Um, and I think also, you know, our institute, we really wanted to, uh, you know, they certainly, our students will get a culinary background for sure in the restaurant, but, um, I think we've thought a lot about meaningful, um, and potentially sort of tailored to having the experience of been through prison. So with some careers that are, that are sort of most promising, and we believe that entrepreneurship and, and the legal discipline are two careers that could, as our board will prove, have really worked well for people who have been on the inside, so... And if yeah. people want to learn more about All Square, yeah. uh, where do they go, they, and how can sure. they donate? Because okay, I sure. know that you're looking for. I you're always looking. For, you're a nonprofit. You're always looking for money. Always, yeah, yeah. I guess as a founder, I'm always, I'm always on the hook for for looking for money. But yeah, um, help. You know, our website, especially, and our handle is at All Square MPLS, and our website is allsquarempls.com, and you know. On the website in particular, there's a How You Can Help page, and, and both with sort of capital, but of course also in other sort of in-kind donations and volunteer instructing. There's I was very impressed there. with your How to Donate, pay, uh, How to Help page, that it had multiple channels yeah, of ways absolutely. to help. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many ways to help. Yeah. Money matters, but that's real, but there's, there's a lot of ways to, to be involved, and people have been very activated by that, and we're very excited. That's just 
All right. So now I want to talk about you. Okay. All right. Yeah. So what what has made you um, the kind of person that would um, divert from what was a promising legal career? I mean, you were working for the federal government. Mm-hmm. Those are plum jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, some people work for the federal government their entire legal career, and they, mm-hmm. they can retire with really great pensions. True. Um, but you diverted from that, and you went off to do not only this, um, but you're also writing a book mm-hmm. um, about an inspirational figure. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and you're, um, I'm sure, doing other things. What is it about you that caused you to do this? How did you first begin to see that you needed to help people? Yeah, I think that's an, I think, um, you know, I think that admittedly, you know, growing up in, in rural North Dakota, um, I felt very supported by, you know, everyone has their own experience in a rural community. Right. I loved my, I loved my hometown of 8,000. I felt incredibly supported and involved and, and, you know, this is just being honest. I think going to school out in New York and eventually Atlanta and, and New Orleans, I think I got a taste of, and, and certainly practicing in the in the legal discipline, I just frankly didn't understand that there were systemic issues that, that uprooted the lives and minds of so many really beautiful people. And I think that that is, it, it, yes, maybe it, I guess it's, it does sound idealistic to, to sort of believe that there's a world where that doesn't exist, but I was, I was really troubled by it. And I think, I think the most acute example of that was practicing as a lawyer for the Department of Housing and, and seeing for me that, that, you know, this idea of housing discrimination and sort of racially charged, um, you know, housing covenants were, were a thing of the past. I think I believe that. I think, um, that, that certainly, you know, in my mind is what was true. And I think seeing, professionally in the legal career, seeing how um, sort of discrimination was coming up, it being built into lending algorithms very, very carefully and meticulously and and not always intentionally, but sometimes intentionally and, and also seeing it come up in um, uh, land use and zoning policies. And, you know, there are very sophisticated ways that systemic exclusion is, is manifesting today. And if I'm being honest, I just sort of lived my way into really seeing that in a very keen way. You know, it's one thing to read about it right. and to read, you know, yeah. social media, though, is getting very polarizing and there's a lot of anger. But I think to live it and then mo- most importantly, to see and feel the stories of people who are being impacted by these policies, um, that it, it really impacted me gravely. It gravely impacted me. And, um, you know, I think on top of that, I've had a beautiful but imperfect life myself and um yeah i just think we're at, at you know living in a world where we're encouraging people to get out of prison and kind of get get their shit together if you will and 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 tighten up and button up and and move forward yet every access to opportunity seems to be denied on the basis of having a record it, it just felt like we're better than this i really believe that we're better than this and <laughs> um i really also believe that i'm not sure that Everyone's really even aware of just how insidious yep. some of these issues are. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I think drove me to at least make an attempt to do something and, and be a part of a, a solution. Well, it's got to it's got to drive you in a big way. I mean, I'm assuming you way, are yeah. you are waking up every day yeah. thinking about All Square, thinking every day about 
people who are suffering as a result of a system that is just mm -hmm. incredibly oppressive to certain people based on the color of their skin mm -hmm. or the communities in which they were born mm -hmm. or the people that they love, all of that. I mean, Absolutely. I don't know about you. Um, you know, I'm a practi I call myself a practical idealist. Sure. Um, I think every day yeah. about how I need to do something to help make the world a better Absolutely. place. Absolutely, and I think, you know, it was interesting building into All Square 2 is, was, um, you know, I think the approach for me has been the idealist, but I, I appreciate the word practical idealist because, you know, I would also like to consider myself an informed idealist. And, <laughs> and I, I say that in that, um, you know, we've been incredibly thoughtful with this model, and it isn't a bleeding heart model. It isn't charity. It is, it is incredibly thought out. It is, it is a very savvy business model. I think we feel very strong with, with what we intend to do with Allsquare as a, as a brand. Um, and it, you know, so it, there is well-meaning and there is a, a whole lot of passion in it, but it's also, it's informed by, by, um, really solid practices and, 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 and a, a structure that I think is going to really work. And, and that matters too. You know, I think we've really tried to, to be mindful of that. Well, your goal is to take this not is to take it beyond Minnehaha Avenue, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think we, you know, I think I think one of the most compelling parts of All Square, and and when really talking about striking a chord and starting a movement, or be, and and or being part of a movement, because there's so many people out there fighting for this very same thing. Um, for people who had formerly incarcerated. Yeah, absolutely, right? yeah. absolutely. I think you know, I think that All Square says something. The name All Square. Uh, yes, we have square grilled cheese and that matters, but the name All Square says something very strong about um, and very powerful in my mind about, you know, once you've done your time, you are all square and you are free to move forward. And, and you know, I think right now the reality is that that is not something that people are able to live. They, they aren't square. They're being denied despite having already paid their debts or paid their fines right. or whatever that might be. And so I think this is a call, All Square is a call locally and eventually nationally to really to really talk about that, to address it in a meaningful way. And I think it's also a call for all of us who don't have a record to really think about whether or not we could and to question right. our own criminality. And um, I don't know if you've heard of Emily Baxter's book, We Are All Criminals. Um, she's a, <laughs> she, It's based in Minnesota here and... It really. Emily's one of my friends. I, I mean, I just absolutely love her, uh, and it's not just because we share a name. But um, you know that that book has 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 helped me and everyone I know also question like, wow, the reality is I I could have a few a few DUIs, I could have possession charges, um, I could have I could have charges that would have prevented my accessing and getting into law school and my whole life would have been changed. And so um, really questioning and wondering why I don't and thinking about all the times that, that I have been let go. And I, I have had, you know, encounters with law enforcement and, and have had different experiences than other people. That's, that is real. That is real. It's not hyperbole. And it's something that we need to talk about. Well, we absolutely. I mean, we need to have a lot of honest conversations. But what I find with my work is that when we engage in those conversations, a lot of people are willing to have them. They're just afraid. Yeah, They're absolutely. They're afraid to have them. And, but we just need you and me as idealists, yeah, as yeah. practical idealists here and informed idealists there. Uh, we just need to set the stage. Here's one last question I sure. have for you. And because we have only about two minutes left. You bet. Um, are you finding difficulty in getting your message out, in getting um, no. all square – 
you know, recognized and being able to get, you know, uh, some, because you need to have recognition in order to make traction. Absolutely. And I would say unequivocally, no, we're not having trouble with that. And, and that to me has been what's so inspiring about it. I think that um, I believe I believe in the fundamental sort of human grain of all people. And, and I do believe we're striking a chord of people. And, and I would like to hope that some of that is our approach, which is to be very real and forthcoming about a, a very real issue, but also to, to, you know, I'm about bridging. I'm, uh, that's just my approach. Everyone has a oh different approach, goodness. but that's my, that's my world. And I think Absolutely. all square hopefully is, is a place about is, you know, a site for coming together and breaking bread. And, um, frankly, on the air, airing on the side of being cheesy, you know, loving each other. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's what we're hoping for. Well, I, um, what, uh, um, I love what you're doing. Thank you. Um, if there's anything I can do to help you, I appreciate that. Please let me know. Likewise. Okay, us idealists need to stick together. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm happy to. So happy to meet you, and very happy for the work that you do and the voices that you amplify as well. It's critically important. Well, so so Emily, just as you go forward, know that I'm you know I'm in the background. Okay. Appreciate it. And there are people listening right now. So listeners, you need to check out All Square. Go to their website at give it to us again. Yes, allsquarempls.com. Okay. And uh, please consider giving um, some kind of contribution to uh, that nonprofit. I'm going to do it myself. So <laughs> I appreciate that. All right. Very well, much. We, so Emily, um, it's been great talking to you. Me Thanks too. for being on Ellie 2.0 Radio. Thanks for having um, me. And and just keep going. Keep Will doing do. your work. You too. And stay persistent. That is what we really need. We Fully need intend to. I appreciate that. All right. Well, listeners, you've been listening to me interviewing Emily Hunt Turner with All Square. And listeners, when we come back, we'll do my last block, uh, my C block, about my work. Thanks. Better Futures Minnesota's Reuse Warehouse has big news. We have a brand new online store. Check out reusebfm.com. This is a great way to see what we carry in the reuse warehouse. Appliances, building materials, kitchen and bath fixtures, lighting, flooring, lumber, heating and cooling items. Don't miss the beautiful benches and COVID safety shields that are hand-built using reclaimed wood from our deconstruction projects. Check out ReuseBFM.com. That's ReuseBFM, as in Better Futures Minnesota.com. Hello, this is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 2 to 3 p.m. Many listeners know that I train on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming to diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on equity and dismantling racism. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change how they see the world. And now I'm doing all of my work online so everyone can attend regardless of where you're located. For more information, go to elliekrug.com. Thank you. I look forward to hearing from you. Ellie 2.0 Radio, Ellie Krug here on lovely AM 950. Okay, um, Emily Hunt Turner is quite the idealist, and um, All Square has survived. It is still open. I've been riding my bike past it. Go, go support All Square. It's on Minnehaha in South Minneapolis. Please do that, okay? 
I mean, you have your choice of restaurants at this point, and they are number is dwindling、um, because of the pandemic. Go support the ones that are still open, but particularly support All Square. All right, we're in my C block now, and I'm going to talk a little bit about my work as an idealist. And I've got to tell you, I did something very unusual, stuff that I don't usually do, and that was I moderated a panel of people of. I'm not usually a moderator. I'm usually the panelist on、uh, these kinds of events. It was an online event, and it was an event for the American Library、uh, Society for Children Services for Children (ALSCI)、um, and I may have that not entirely correct, but it's the library folks who organize and、um, focus on children's books. And they asked me several months ago. Way back when, I mean, like several several months ago, when they believed that the event would be live rather than online, they asked if I would moderate this panel of three children's books authors, and、um, and I said yes.、Um, I don't know necessarily why I did,、uh, although I love librarians. I'm a huge fan of librarians. I've I've presented to librarians a number of times, and I love librarians generally because I believe that they are the They literally are the the last level, the the last defense that we have for the for keeping democracy. I do. They are the keepers of the books. They are the keepers of truth, and that's why I love librarians. And I know that's why I said okay. Because when librarians ask me to do things, for the most part, I'm like okay, I will do that because I believe in you. So the the. That was, you know, kind of the background. But I've got to tell you, I know nothing about children's books. Both of my daughters are, you know, one is thirty, one is twenty-eight. It has been a long time since、um, I've read *Goodnight Moon*, okay, you know, or *The Giving Tree*. And、uh, so, and, and children's literature has changed dramatically. The panel was about、um, LGBTQI identifying authors. So each of these authors identified as LGBTQ, and they write. In one way or the other, about LGBTQ experience.、And、of course, I'm transgender, so I'm on that alphabet. So, who were the people that I had? I had, first of all,、um, an illustrator, then turned book author Christian Robinson, who's the author of Last Stop on Market Street, which won a Caldecott Award in 2016. He's also got a couple of other uh, books uh, that are. Picture books, but they have one has text.、Uh, that book is "You Matter," and then the other one is called "Another." And the other another is just、um, all it is is illustrations、um, about how we view ourselves. I mean, and、uh, Christian Robinson, wonderful illustrator. I mean, my God, his pictures are wonderful. So I had him. I had、uh, another child's book author by the name of Casey Callender. Um, who's right? Who's written and writes、uh, young adult uh, novels, um, including a book called、uh, Felix Ever After, which Amazon is making into a series. <laughs> Believe that, okay? And then、um, he, Casey、uh, uh, Callender, also wrote middle grade books, Hurricane Child and King and the Dragonflies. And then the third author that I had was. Is a, a man named、uh, Kyle Lukoff, who's written a picture book,、um, but it's also with text on it.、Um, When Aiden becomes a brother, it's about、um, a young transgender child. So I had the three of them on. You have to understand, I am in my you know 63 years old. 
Uh, Kyle, I think, is in his uh, early 40s, but the other two authors are in their late 20s or, or early 30s. So there's this age difference, and there's generational difference between the two. And we, we had a call where I wanted to prepare. You know, they, they went along with it, and I, I, and, and I took this seriously. I went and bought a bunch of their books. <laughs> And, and, and read all the picture books. They were easy. And I started on, you know, King and the Dragonflies. I'm not through it, but I highly recommend it. You know, so I pre- prepared. And, and then we got on the panel and we, and we went forward and did it. And I, I am the kind of person, I want to get to like the nitty gritty. I'm not like real good about, you know, you know, who's your favorite author? Tell us about that. I'm like, you know, we got librarians here. By the way, we had... 422 people who attended virtually. Um, And I'm like, let's tell the librarians how they need to be good and how can they protect young LGBTQ kids. And from there, we went to talking about what does mattering mean in the world and what is human authenticity and how how did you find your authenticity? Uh, Suffice to say, these were, you know, because I don't do this regularly, I don't know where the lines are, but these were questions that the panelists don't ordinarily get and the audience members don't ordinarily hear. And so there's a great risk in that. But boy, the chat was blowing up with, my goodness, I can't believe what I'm hearing right now. I am in tears with some of the vulnerability that the panelists were giving. I mean, people were speaking from their heart on the panel. And, um, and, I think it turned out all right. <laughs> and I was quite nervous about it, I have to tell you. I mean, my God, I'm a, you know, a thousand talks I've done close to it. And boy, I was really nervous about this. And so it just goes to show, why am I telling you this? It goes to show that when you show up and you're somewhat prepared at least, but you're willing to talk from the heart, the things that we get out of that as both speakers and listeners, is amazing. That's me, the idealist there. Okay, that's it for the show. I've got to give a big thanks to our sponsor, Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance, just like All Square that I told you about earlier. And so go and support Better Futures Minnesota. A big thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett's had to work a little bit today because Ellie has been um, shooting from the hip a bit. And so thank you, Brett, for always being so good to me. And my listeners, thank you for being good to me as well. Visit my website at elliekrug.com. Sign up for my newsletter, The Ripple. People love the, the, the ripple. Follow me on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter at Ellie Krug. Most of all, will you do me this favor? Go out. Go do an act of kindness. Make the world better. We need that right now, desperately. I'll be back next week. I'm going to be live next week. Live! Come tune in. 